0: Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Have you ever heard about the Your Garage feature on Cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to your garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical, real-time, and projected value. And then, when it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, it's your friend Mel. And today's episode of the Mel Robbins podcast is rich with tools and strategies to help you make more money. Let's do this thing. Okay, I have been counting down the days for this particular episode. Because today I have somebody on the show that I have admired from afar for a very long time. I don't know if there are people that you follow online that you're just like, gosh, I would just love to meet this person in real life one day. Well, today is that day for you and for me to meet one of the most inspiring experts and human beings out there when it comes to being rich and not just rich with money but rich with experiences and happiness and building a life that you just love. This is a guy that is a New York Times bestselling author. Millions of people come to him to help them change the way they think about money, to get out of debt, to start businesses, to retire early, and most importantly, to imagine, design, and create a rich life. He has a brand new Netflix series, How to Get Rich, where he is coaching six people just like you and me on these exact things. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about none other than Ramit Sethi. He has a simple step-by-step process that he's gonna walk us through at zero cost today for how you can change the way you think about money, how you can design a completely different type of life and the four simple things that you need to pay attention to in order to make it a reality. I've got sweaty palms. I'm so excited to talk to this guy. So let's just jump into it. Do we have him here? Ramit, oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you're here. Ramit, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It is so exciting to meet you. I have been a fan of your work for so long. I have stalked (laughs) your website because it is amazing. I can't believe we haven't met until now
1: why is it i'm trying to figure it out myself but (laughs) regardless i'm excited that we get a chance to do it today
0: me too me too and i'm really excited for everybody to hear what you're about to teach us because when i think about somebody who could fundamentally change the way that a person thinks about money and the way they use money to live and experience what you call a rich life you're the one person on the planet that can do it i mean they're not just passing out netflix shows to everybody
1: (laughs) well thank you i love i love talking about this it's kind of weird you know usually you don't think about someone actually loving talking about money And it's actually, you know, okay, listen, I've written a book about Roth IRAs and automation and all that stuff. Oh my
0: God. I'm already asleep. Do we, we're not talking about that.
1: Hey, me too. And I'm the (laughs) one who wrote the book on it. So what I'm much more excited to talk about now is how to actually apply that money so you can live your rich life. And to me, that's that beautiful tapestry of life of I love eating out or I love travel and to be able to go deeper on that and to use money to do it, what could be more exciting?
0: Oh my gosh, and you know what else I love about you? I love that you come at this after fucking things up with money. (laughs) And so I would love to have you take us all the way back to 2004 where you are Mm. a student at Stanford, but when you get your first scholarship check, you do something fucking (laughs) stupid with it.
1: Well, I didn't think it was stupid at the time. I thought it was a genius. Uh, so here I am in high school it's like late 99 2000 and um, I grew up the son of Indian immigrant parents and they came from India built their life here my dad worked my mom stayed home with us and uh, when it came time for college they told us you know of course you're going to college but we don't have money so you've got to find scholarships for it they just told us point-blank and we may not have had a lot of money for us eating out was a thing we did once every six to eight weeks always with a coupon we would never buy enough drinks for the whole family we'd have two and we would share it but they taught us how to work and they taught us this idea that if you work hard enough usually the money stuff will take care of itself so culturally we grew up knowing education is important and personally i love systems I love building a system and doing the work once so I don't have to do it again. That's why I don't like budgets. I don't have a budget. I don't think anybody should have a budget for that matter. And we can talk about that. Uh, Because who wants to track the price of apples for the rest of your life? It sounds like hell.
0: Does anybody other than a CPA or a controller for a company actually track a budget? Can we just start there?
1: No, and in fact, some of the very people who tell america to keep budgets <laughs> don't even keep a budget themselves wow so let's just get real okay so here i am i uh, applied for 65 scholarships and i built this system so i ended up doing it pretty rapidly you know by the end it was taking me like an hour in application i started to get scholarships and now how of, many
0: of the 65 did you land
1: i probably got 10 to 12 that's amazing uh, maybe 15 okay. Yeah, some were small. Some were like $1,000. Some were extremely large, which ended up paying undergrad and grad school. Wow. And yeah, so I was very fortunate. But again, you know, if I hadn't gotten all those scholarships, I still had plan B, plan C, plan D. And, and I think we all should have a plan B because life doesn't always work out the way we think it's going to. That's so true. here I am. I get this scholarship check. And they, made, they wrote the check to me mr ramit sati high school kid in 1999 <laughs> when all i was reading was these thick magazines about tech stocks i go cool i'm going to invest this scholarship money because i'm a genius
0: oh 1999
1: yeah yeah it was oh, the height wasn't of the that tech the boom.
0: year that everything crashed
1: well it hadn't crashed when i invested it crashed right <laughs> after i invested <laughs> okay so i learned some really valuable lessons first of all i lost half my money immediately And that humbled me. And I think when these things happen, it gives us a chance to choose which path we wanna take. For me, I could have been like, investing is a scam and I'm never doing it again. A lot of us feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I, I will say I was so fortunate that my parents, especially my dad, really encouraged me, hey, try to figure out what happened. Look, learn. And also in the grand scheme, losing that money, while a lot of money at the time ended up being a little bit of money, in the grand scheme. So here I was at Stanford now, I'm studying social psychology, uh, human behavior, persuasion. And I'm reading all the books about personal finance, investing, compound interest, asset allocation. And I'm looking around and I'm going, the emperor has no clothes. What does that mean? All the advice that we get about money. Tell me if this sounds familiar to anybody listening. don't spend money on lattes, don't buy new jeans, don't go on vacation. In fact, hoard your money in a little cave and then one day when you're 93 years old, maybe, just maybe, society will give you permission to go enjoy it. What kind of horrible life is that? And here I am, you know, young guy in college, I wanna go out with my friends. My dream at the time was to be able to buy a round of drinks for my friends, mm. not worry about it. That was a Without rich life a coupon. Me. Not a coupon, exactly, and so, just I love I love that you said that because as I got a little older and I graduated you know what my rich life was in my early 20s no it was literally to be able to go to a restaurant and order an appetizer without worrying about the price because when we were a kid we couldn't afford to do it and what is that 10 bucks maybe 15 bucks and it felt incredible so in fact, let me ask you, when you think about your early formative 20s, what was a thing for you that you were just like, that feels almost irrationally amazing to be able to do?
0: Um, I guess to go on a vacation somewhere warm that I could pay for with my friends. Like I saw, not, for, not pay for them, uh-huh. meaning like you see all these kids go to spring break yeah, And I worked during college, but I needed my parents to spot me the money or yeah. I needed the invitation from another person's mm-hmm. parents who were going to, you know, take their daughter somewhere and she got to bring a friend. And so for me, I think a quote, rich life, which we're going to unpack for everybody so they understand what you're talking about was like, mm-hmm. wow, it would be pretty incredible if I could have my own money, not mm-hmm. for textbooks not for gas, but to actually buy a plane ticket and go to a hotel and be on one of those spring break things that I see.
1: I love that. Each one of us has something and it usually is in a formative age for us that we vividly remember. You know, I remember uh, sitting in the back of a taxi in New York and back then, you know, those taxi ticker things used to tick up every quarter mile, eighth Mm. of a mile. And sometimes you're just going, oh my God, like how high is this gonna go before I get there? and of course i don't think about that now but back then part of a rich life for me was to be able to not have to worry about taking a taxi especially on a hot august day walking out of the subway going to a meeting and dripping in sweat okay so i kind of love this this idea of where we all start from it's it's usually something modest and ultra specific and we can smell it we can remember exactly what the people around us look like and we're saying and that really informs where we came from, which is can also inform what our rich life is today and possibly even tomorrow.
0: I would love for you to talk to the person listening uh. and guide them through the process of locating this core memory so that they have that with them as we move forward and you help us define this philosophy that you've created called a rich life.
1: I love it let's do it okay we're gonna start in your early 20s okay and we're gonna zigzag throughout our conversation today we're gonna go back to childhood and we're gonna go to the future we'll do it all because that's what money is about it's about understanding the seasons of life and how money interacts oh i fucking love this okay so so in my you know in my 20s again that irrational joy came from being able to buy appetizers and for everybody here i want you to think about you may have been in college, you may have been working at your first job. What was the thing where you said to yourself, I wish I could do that? Or am I ever going to be able to do that? And remember, it's not usually a big thing. It's not, I wanna take a round the world trip and stay in all these fancy places. It's often an appetizer, it's uh, being able to pay for your own vacation. It might be, you know, a lot of people joke about it's getting the guac at Chipotle. It might actually be that. There's nothing shameful about a small, vivid aspiration that you had. How do you think everyone listening is is going along with this journey so far, Mel?
0: I think good. Okay. My producers are like mm-hmm, okay, this good. Is fantastic. Good. We got like I think we're all right there. Perfect. I have a question to ask you mm-hmm. to go a little deeper in this. I would love to ask you about the way in which your formative years as a child and what you experienced as your parents emotion or conversation around money, how that impacts your mindset around it. And, you know, I'm asking that because I feel like it must be somehow related to this core memory of, I just wish I could go and take myself on vacation. I wish I could buy the guacamole. I wish I didn't have to worry about the needle on the tank of gas getting to empty and not yes. being able to fill it up. And so for me personally, my father was the first person in his family to go to college and oh, wow. he had to pay for it. And my mother also went to college and had to pay for it. And she ended up dropping out to have me. Oh. And then my dad got into medical school and my mom worked nights for the IRS and we lived in public housing while he was a medical student. And when he was a resident in Dayton, Ohio, I was in fourth grade when my parents were able to purchase their first home. And my dad did not pay off his medical school loans until late into his thirties. But here's the interesting thing about it. Even though we struggled, we never went out to eat when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Not until middle school anyway. And I never remember my parents being stressed out about money. What do you remember them saying about money? Nothing. I don't remember them talking about it. And I just had this sense because there was this like ease Mm. about it that if you need something, you figure out how to get it. Mm. That there wasn't a lot of griping or complaint. And I know they were trying to make the ends meet. And they come from very blue collar, modest families, hardworking. They were very hardworking. And so I just kind of got this thing like money's there when you work for it. And you don't need to worry about it. Not like I was spoiled or anything. That was not it at all. Yeah. But they didn't pass on the stress to me. Now, Chris's family had plenty of money, but there was this huge dialogue. You don't deserve that we don't have it, you're not going to be spoiled. And so his butt is so clenched when it comes to money. Like the guy's like, how much does the guacamole cost? I'm like, dude, have you seen our checking account? You can afford it. Like he literally adopted this, this kind of gripping mentality. How does that impact the mindset that you have your early childhood years.
1: So this, you just gave us a fantastic uh, journey into your childhood. And if you don't mind, uh, I'm I'm gonna dive a little bit deep and kind of uh, shine a light on what you just told me. Okay. So a lot of this comes from my work on my podcast and of course on the Netflix show with individuals and couples. And many people believe that money is simply about numbers. And of course, the numbers are a very small part of how we experience money. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you say your family never really talked about money, but there was a sort of ease about it, I- I'm, I'm listening. I'm going okay. Mm-hmm. And then it clicks when you tell me they were blue collar and they taught us that if you work hard, money will come. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a cohesive belief. I totally agree. Sometimes I speak to, couples where one uh, person in the couple grew up let's say white collar maybe upper middle class yep. and the other grew up working class blue collar their beliefs conflict and they can't figure out why right they think it's about oh she spends too much at target or he, his truck is too expensive mm. but really there's this belief particularly with different class structures which we never mm-hmm. really talk about in america which is if something's hard let's just grind harder and you can grind harder. There's no doubt about that. But there's a certain point where grinding a little harder just doesn't work. You have to you have to change the way you think about money. For example, did your parents talk about uh, investing IRAs, compound interest, when you were growing up? Oh, my God, no. Exactly. And so some of the uh, folks who I speak to, they said, we were talking about investing at age five around the dinner table. Here's what happens if you put a quarter in the bank. Now, imagine if a couple is meeting and one of them has been talking about investing since age five and the other has never talked about investment. That's what we discover when we peel uh, back the curtain and we see how beliefs affect us. So if you're listening, the question I would ask you is what conversations do you remember your family having when you were young about money? What phrases? Here's some examples that might sound familiar. We can't afford it. Mm. Uh, We don't talk about money in this family. Uh, We're not like those people. We don't need a fancy car vacation eating out. Any of these sound, you heard these or
0: your friends heard these, Mel? I'm nodding because I'm like, this is exactly what people need to hear. At least I need to hear this. I mean, my jaw is already on the floor. We have to hear a quick word from our sponsors, but I cannot wait to continue this conversation. And everybody, stay with us, because when we come back, I want to ask me, what are the consequences of growing up in a household where you constantly hear the words, we can't afford this? You know, I don't think about tires all that often, but when I do, you want to know that there's a place that you can go that makes it easy? Meet Treadwell, an online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire in one minute or less. You can find Treadwell at DiscountTire.com. Treadwell gives you personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Don't you want to use this? I know I do. Enter your vehicle info and Treadwell will match you with the best Continental tire. doesn't get much easier. Treadwell will give you the perfect combination of style and price for your tire needs. Get your set of Continental tires at DiscountTire.com. Let's get you taken care of. The Mel Robbins podcast is proudly sponsored by Amica Insurance, our exclusive insurance partner. Amica understands how important it is to protect the things that matter most to you. So they'll put in the time to make sure you're taken care of, whether it's talking through all the details of your policy or following up after a claim. Your auto, home, and life insurance are more than just policies, they're protection for the life you've built. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. Go to Amica.com and get a quote today. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and you can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back. I'm Mel Robbins. I am so loving today's episode. I am here with Ramit Sethi. He's a New York Times bestselling author. His book is called I Will Teach You. How to Be Rich. And his new Netflix show is How to Get Rich. Now, he was just starting to dive deep into the topic of your money psychology and how to change it. And Ramit, you had just said that you hate it when parents say, we can't afford that. You want them to stop saying that. Why?
1: Exactly. Here's the consequence of that. Okay. So you hear the most common one is we can't afford it. Parents just say this like it just comes out of their mouth. Parents, you gotta stop, because let me tell you what happens. They end up 40 years later talking to me, and (laughs) they heard we can't afford it 10,000 times growing up, just reflexively. Oh, I want shoes, we can't afford it. I want a trapper keeper, we can't afford it. And then this person, hopefully, they end up in a pretty nice job. They set up some investments. Maybe they've done well. They have some decent amount of money. They come to me to go, why do I still feel guilty ordering a salad when I eat out? And Mm. my partner is saying, we have the money. Look at our checking account. Why? Well, trace it all the way back to conversations you had starting at age six. We can't afford it. And it really shows this key principle of money, which is the way you feel about money is highly uncorrelated to how much you've got in the bank. I'll say it okay, again,
0: say that again.
1: Yeah, the, the way you feel about money is highly uncorrelated to how much you've got in the bank. Most of us believe if I have $5,000 more or $50,000 more or $500,000, finally, I'll feel safe. And I'm here to deliver some unfortunate news, which is that's never going to happen. Now you can change the way you feel about money. You can, but a number in the bank is never gonna change your feelings about it because it's uncorrelated. You've got to work, if you wanna live a rich life, you gotta do two things at the same time. One, you gotta understand the numbers, the basic numbers of finance. You've gotta know your savings rate. You've gotta understand the rule of 72. This stuff is actually not complicated. It's really fun. We could talk about them. I'll give you a couple of ratios. It's easy stuff. It's like a sixth grader could totally- I'm
0: already make... zoning out on that. We'll get to that well, we'll get to but that. First, but first, I want to hear the second the part The second of
1: one is you've got to simultaneously work on improving your money psychology. You've got to put a practice into place to start feeling good about money because so much of society tries to get us to feel bad. You do I those love two this. Things, you're going to be doing very well. I little.
0: love this because whether you're listening right now and you've got millions of dollars in the bank, or you are nearly a million dollars in debt, like my husband and I used to be over a decade ago. Starting with changing your psychology around money changes absolutely everything. Bramit's gonna teach us how to change our psychology. So where exactly do we start? Yeah, let's imagine
1: that it's the first day And you've decided to join the soccer team. Okay. People come with, some people have fancy shoes. Some people have no shoes. Some people are really physically fit. Others haven't run at all in years. Yep. And for this metaphor, I'll be the coach. Okay. And what I'm going to say is we're all in this together and we're all going to start on the same page. Okay. Okay? So I like to start from a place of, we're going to have fun with this. I'll tell you what okay. we're not going to do. I'm not going to say uh, he'll pull out this 46 part spreadsheet and let's uh, go through all your spending. Nah, everyone's going to leave. I, and I don't even want to. No one. It's irrelevant. Instead, I want to do something, an exercise together with you, me, and everybody listening. Okay. About what I call your money dials. So I'm going to ask you. Let's do this together, and everybody listening, okay. I want you to follow along. So Mel, if I asked you, what is something you love to spend money on? Not like, but truly love. Look at that smile. What would it be?
0: Oh, I love buying dessert. I like now that I've, I've, I've started, you know, I've gotten out of debt. I make a lot of money. My favorite thing. Uh And I always joke that this is my version of a Lamborghini. Uh Uh-huh. When I go out with a group of people, I order every dessert on the menu.
1: Okay. What does that get you? (laughs) Tell me about that. Why?
0: Um... It feels really decadent and fun, and it allows me to sample things without committing, and it's a way to um, uh, take care of everybody at the table Mm -hmm. because everybody kind of secretly wished that, (laughs) you know, somebody would order one of the desserts. yes. And it's a way to relax kind of that grip like, oh, I'm only allowed one dessert, so I got to pick the one. It's just like a playful way that's kind of ridiculous. But every time I do it, everyone's like, oh, my God. That's so fun. And so I just love doing that. And I'm also a massive gift giver. So I love spending my money on other people and orchestrating gifts and creating experiences for people. Okay. Those are my two big things.
1: I love it. I hear, I hear so many things that I'm so um, thankful I get to highlight some of the things I just heard. So it sounds like your, what I would call a money dial, the thing you love is either gifting or eating out desserts. Would yes. that be fair? Okay. Yeah. Pick one, which, which is the one that gets you really excited.
0: Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I, I
1: kind of think it's desserts cause you spent like 10 okay, minutes desserts. talking about desserts. Okay, desserts. Yeah. desserts. It's, it's usually very obvious. Like it, people light up when they talk about their Well, because I also
0: bill. feel like it is a gift. Cause it, cause is, it is. Nobody does a gift. it for themselves okay. and it's ridiculous. Like why would you order all the desserts knowing everyone's going to take one bite? Yeah, because we can and because it's fun. It's
1: very abundant.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like a kid almost.
1: Okay, I love it. So here we have Mel in like a Willy Wonka chocolate factory, just (laughs) like we get to get it all and it's very abundant. So for everybody listening, the most common money dial or thing you love to spend money on is eating out. Number two most common is travel. Number three is health and wellness. Number four is convenience, which happens to be my money dial. And there's a variety of others, you know, you can search online. Okay, so that's great. For everybody listening, you should identify the thing you love and go into that detail. If you're doing it with a partner, notice how I asked her, why? Tell me what? What does it mean to you? Get curious. And then the second question I have for you, Mel, is if you were able to quadruple your spend on your money dial, what would that look like and feel like for you?
0: I'd send those desserts to everybody in the restaurant.
1: Whoa. Tell me more.
0: Um, Just kind of spreading that exuberance and Mm -hmm. joy and this kind of psychologically, it's not financially extravagant Mm. if you can afford to do it. Like, it's not like you went out and spent $200,000 on a car, Mm. but there's this level of surprise and Exuberance and extravagance. There's delight. There's surprise. There's the fact that it tastes good. Yeah. That if I spread that through a whole restaurant, I mm. think the positive vibes that would go out and the positive energy that would swell in that space would be freaking unbelievable.
1: Amazing. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to take that and extend it even more. Oh, because, okay. Because I know you're very successful. So, Uh you know, let's say you eat out once a month. You could do that. No problem. It wouldn't even affect your bottom line. Let's turn it up even more. Not quadruple. Let's 10X it. Think expansively. Think beyond the confines of a restaurant.
0: Um, Well, the first thing that came to mind was the Ben and Jerry's Free Cone Day. Okay. That they celebrate the, it was this year, their 40th anniversary by having a day where they give everybody a free ice cream cone if they show up how would you and do they it? typically support a charity right yeah i think that's pretty cool
1: so you would do that like a, a day of let's say uh, outside of school or something or, or some charity you're just going to get an ice cream truck and rent it and do that how does that well when you, you said
0: school i was like how cool would it be if like everybody got dessert at school for free okay <laughs>
1: You know, I, lo- I love your answers. There There is a cohesive thread that goes through them. It's it's generosity, it's surprise, it's delight. And it just happens to be around food. But I'm willing to bet in your life there's a bunch of other things like that. Okay. Yeah. So for everybody listening, take this example we just heard and apply it to yourself. Let me, let me give you some examples that will help. So, Please. Uh, for most people, like I said, eating out is their number one money dial. And when I ask them to quadruple it, they almost always say the same, uh, like, PG-rated joke. They go, well, I'd probably have to watch what I eat because I'd be eating out four times a week. Ha, 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 ha. I go, ha, ha, ha. And then I go, all right, listen. Uh, that's very linear thinking. The fact that you eat out once, so you're going to quadruple it, You're just going to eat out four times. That's linear. Like, okay, you could eat out four times a week, but are you going to eat at the same place? And and people pause. They start thinking, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so if it's like Chipotle or, or whatever it is that you eat at, wow okay and I remember this um, young man in DC I was speaking there and he said the same joke and I had the same unamused response and I go where would you eat and he thought for a second and he goes you know what I have a list of every Michelin starred restaurant in DC young guy I go wow okay cool you like food he goes yeah I love it I go who would you take with you and he got really quiet the entire audience pin drop silence and he goes I would take my family why because they could never afford to eat at places like that. Now that is a money dial. That is a Mm. vision of what you love today, and it could be modest, right? Buying dessert for your friends, that's very generous, also pretty modest, but when you understand, hey, where could I go with this? Could I turn my dial up, 2X, 4X, 10X? What would it look like? It wouldn't just be more of the same. I might change the quality. I might change the frequency. If I love clothes, as a young woman in Pasadena did, I asked her, you gonna still shop at the same place, H&M? She goes, no. And when we really explored and played, we came up with this idea that one day, she could fly to Italy with her mom and they could get something custom made together in Italy. Now she can't do that today, she can't do it tomorrow, but now she has a vision of what excites her with money. That's how we get started.
0: Why is it important to start with a vision that's exciting? Because money is such a drag for most of us. When you think of money, what are the
1: first words that come to mind? Debt. Yep, yep. <laughs> R- restriction. Overwhelming. Mistakes. Am I too late? Mistake. It sucks. So are we surprised that Americans have terrible financial behavior? Well, I'm not really surprised when everything around us Basically tells us, don't pay attention to this until it's too late. I mean, it's more exciting to talk about flossing than it is to talk about money. It sucks. But if we start talking about, oh my God, I love to eat. I'm unapologetic about spending extravagantly on the things I love. As long as I cut costs mercilessly on the things I don't. Well, suddenly it's a lot more fun to talk about.
0: It really is. Because I think there's so much shame yeah, that we carry about money because there's all these expectations that you have about how much you should have, how much you should have by now, what you should have done with it. If only had I invested back uh, in the day in Apple, yeah. like I missed these opportunities, I should have done this, I should have done that. And that sort of negative story. That you keep reinforcing to yourself that then has you go, oh, I can't buy the guacamole. I better not get a latte. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. It keeps you stuck in that story. But when yeah, you we- allow somebody to play and dream again, because money is not only psychology, it's sort of a vehicle to do those things. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And- I love what you said about the, the guacamole example is that because we feel shame, because we feel like it's too late our field of vision narrows, almost like if you've ever felt like you're about to faint, Mm. everything shrinks and we shrink our own desires. So I'll often ask people, what is your rich life? And you know what they always say to me? They always go, I want to do what I want, when I want. I go, oh God, okay. There we go. Uh, And then I go, wow, that's so interesting. I never heard that one, except for the 8 million times I heard it. I go, so what do you want? And they are stumped because we never actually thought about what, our rich life is and so then i you know i'm gentle i want them to come to it but i also want to have a little fun with them
0: (laughs) i want to have fun with it too ramit so could you walk us through exactly how you answer that question what is your rich life yeah okay good so let's hear a short word from our sponsors and ramit you're going to walk us through that when we come back So I got a question for you. Are you a shoes on or shoes off in the house kind of person? Well, let me tell you, I'm a shoes off, especially once I saw like how much dirt and gross stuff comes into the house because of your shoes on. Well, my husband, Chris, he knows better. But since he got his new sneakers from Saucony, you would think those puppies were glued to his feet. I mean, he wears them walking the dogs. He wears them running errands. He wears them all day long at his desk, in the kitchen, even in the bedroom. I've never seen this man so obsessed with his sneakers but I don't blame him. Sockenies are the sneaker for daily comfort that we all want in a shoe. Their brand spanking new Triumph 22 sneakers offer the most premium cushioning and their sleekest design yet. So if you're looking for a new running shoe, a walking shoe, an everyday shoe, or all of the above, check out Sockenie. Shop new Triumph 22 styles at Sockenie.com. One of our podcast sponsors is Grammarly, and I love Grammarly because as someone with ADHD and dyslexia, writing has never come easy for me. I'm either writing gibberish or I'm completely distracted or I forget what it was that I wanted to write about or I'm trying to say. That's why I use Grammarly. Grammarly is an AI writing partner that has helped me get work done faster with high-quality writing. And Grammarly can help you, too. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing with suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly helps professionals get more done. Plus, data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. Making Grammarly the AI writing partner that will help your team make their point and move faster. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. But when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you pretty negatively therapy is my favorite way to get things off my chest and figure out what the heck is weighing me down. And you know what else I love about it? I can complain about my family without them hearing me. It's amazing. And then they help me problem solve. And then when I leave therapy, I can act like a better person instead of the stressed out freak lunatic that is constantly screaming at my husband and my kids because I can't handle my stress. Therapy helps you do that. It's the place to have open, honest conversations about the issues that are impacting you. And more importantly, it gives you a place to figure out strategies to do better. It's never been easier to start therapy. Start with BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mel Robbins today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Mel Robbins. Hey, welcome back. I'm Mel Robbins, and I am loving the conversation today with Ramit Sethi. Right? He's helped millions of people create rich lives, and his new Netflix series is called How to Get Rich. And he was just asking you and me to define for ourselves what is your rich life. Ramit, how do most people even answer that question?
1: yeah they'll say something like
0: well I guess like you know it
1: would be cool if I had a beach house one day but it doesn't have to be a big beach house it could be small it could be a shack it could be dilapidated I don't even need anything I go what the hell we're talking about your rich life and you already shrunk your desires in five seconds ah uh-uh. I don't allow that I go dream bigger and then let's figure out if your finances support it what investments you need to make. And hey, maybe you're not going to get a nine bedroom place in the Hamptons, but maybe you could get a beautiful place, rent it for a week, or buy it in 10 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we minimize ourselves unnecessarily.
0: And then that cuts off our inspiration.
1: Yeah. It, it, nobody's inspired by a tiny vision. Nobody's inspired by the idea like, ooh, I could save five percent on coffee. Who cares? That's not exciting. <laughs>
0: It's so true. I want to ask you a question on behalf of anyone that's listening that is up to their eyeballs in debt Mm. and is having trouble dreaming. Yeah. And is trying to make ends meet. Yeah. What is the concept of a rich life? Because we've covered the money dials, but I want to just get a flat definition from you of what a rich life is and what are the steps you walk somebody through regardless of where they are. Yeah to creating one
1: a rich life is when you look at your life and you go, wow, this feels amazing. Now you can have a rich life and still be in debt. You can have a rich life and not be exactly where you want to be ultimately. But a rich life can be traveling two months a year. It can be buying a beautiful cashmere coat. A rich life can be picking up your kids from school every afternoon. The key is that your rich life is yours it's not mine it's not your friends not your parents it's yours and in fact the more you carefully define your rich life and really turn those dials up and down the more bewildering your rich life will be to other people I'll give you an example from my own life my rich life is really weird to other people and that's exactly what it should be I love Spending extravagantly on travel. I'm a hotel guy. I love I have a list of hotels in all parts of the world I know the exact room I want to stay in like (laughs) I love it. I'm obsessed. I'm that's my thing I also love clothes. I love them. I spend a lot on it And so those things are things I spend extravagantly on on the other hand uh, My car is not that important to me and to give you a point of comparison. I've spent more in one year on travel than I spent in 20 years on all of my car expenses added together wow so that's crazy that's bewilder it makes no sense to somebody listening and that's exactly how it should be if you love camping maybe you turn that dial up you find a way to have a smaller cost for your rent or mortgage and instead you're going camping I don't know, X weeks per year. You've got some place you go that nobody else knows about, some equipment that's amazing. You you take friends with you. Amazing. Not my thing. I've got a, a reader of mine who told me he retired in his 30s with his wife. They travel around the country in an RV. I go, that sounds like hell to
0: me. Yeah, me too. No way. But I to love them?
1: that it's their rich life.
0: Yes. So are there particular questions other than the money dial that you would want us to ask ourselves or answer in order to start to really define it. Because I agree with you. Most people, when you ask them for real, what do you want? It's like, uh, that's
1: hard. It's a really big question. So what we can do is we can zoom in and out to help people create some context around it. Okay. I'm going to give you a few exercises um, that are really helpful. Let's start big picture and then we'll zoom really tight down to day-to-day okay. so this is a fun exercise i did this one with my wife we sat down and we said let's create a 10-year bucket list so in our in the next 10 years what do we want to do that would make this an amazing and rich 10 years Okay. Ooh. So we took two separate pieces of paper. We spent a few minutes, we wrote it down and then we came back and compared it. And this is a really cool opportunity to recalibrate the way you talk about money. Cause it's dreamy. It's fun. You don't have to commit to anything. So you want to get curious. You know, one of us is like, Oh, I want to learn Spanish. And the other one goes, Oh cool. you want to do that online? Or like, would you want to go to Mexico city and do an immersion? The other one, you know, for one of my things was I want to write a book at a hotel. Makes perfect sense. I uh, Well, I don't necessarily love writing, but if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write it in an amazing luxury hotel that I love. Okay, cool.
0: Now, if you're single yeah. or you're newly divorced yeah. or you've just graduated from college, do you recommend that you grab a friend or a sibling or somebody or is this something... No, you can do it solo. You can do it solo. Yeah, okay. you
1: totally do it solo. So you come up with a list of, of things and it's, it's things that are exciting um, that you would look back on and be like, wow, that was a really cool 10 years. I, I remember that's memorable. So the two of you have, if you're in a partnership, you've asked each other, if you're solo, you're looking at them and you're picking one that really jumps out at you. Don't overthink it. It's the one that you go, I want to do that above all others.
0: In the next 10 years. Yep. I got to go to Australia for a month in the next 10 years. I'm not saying that's mine, but I'm just saying, like, what are some of the things you've seen from the millions of people that you've helped?
1: Um, We want to take a family trip to Italy. Super Mm. common. Everybody wants to go to Italy. Like it's and I I just, I love hearing it because I then get to help them dimensionalize it. Like Italy alone is just a word. I want to know what seat on the airplane are you flying? What season are you going? What are you wearing? Where are you eating? I want to know every detail to the point where we can almost smell it because then it becomes vivid and aspirational. Okay. Okay. So um, that's what we're doing in this first process. It's actually really fun. Oh, Oh, my God, we get to go on a pizza tour, whatever. Then you pick that one and solo or together you go, all right, let's actually make it happen. When do I want to do this? In our case, we, wanted, we decided we want to have an amazing 10-year wedding anniversary. We were inspired by some friends of ours who did it. And we were like, what? People actually do that? And then we're like, well, who cares if people do it? We want to do it. And so we said, that's it. We happen to know the exact date we want to do it and the location. If you want to go to Italy or wherever, you got to pick a specific month and year. It's got to now start getting
0: specific. And then you got two more steps and then you're good to go. What Ramit is teaching you to do is to dream again and to attach very positive emotion with what a rich life would feel like. And I think so many of you are going to have trouble even getting past this part and giving yourself permission to do it because of the amount of mistakes that you made. Mm. And, you know, I'll just say, Ramit, when... Chris's um, restaurant business was really struggling and we had liens on the house and couldn't pay for groceries uh, at times and I had lost my job. Dreaming seemed impossible, but it was actually a lifeline because it made me feel like this was gonna be temporary, that we would figure out a way through this. And so I just wanna underscore... That if you're like got crushing student debt right now, if you've gone through a divorce and you're in financial ruin, this is actually exactly what you need to do. Because if you continue to stare at the debt, you're going to feel disempowered, which means your actions will be disempowered. If we can give you a beacon out on the distance to get you feeling inspired again, something to work toward, that we know based on the research, that's your big why when it comes to a goal. And so I love what you're doing here because it's the exact opposite of what a financial advisor would tell you, which is you'd sit down, you'd go through the numbers, you'd feel like an imbecile. You'd basically get somebody politely telling you you're fucked and you shouldn't buy coffee out and you shouldn't enjoy yourself until you get your debt under control and you pay this off. And that can come But let's first get the conversation fun and exciting again, because when you're in that kind of mood, you're going to be more motivated to do the tedious bullshit that any financial advisor can tell you. Correct?
1: Correct. 100%. And thank you for slowing us down and really providing the context behind why we are doing it this way. I don't want us to shrink our world to a spreadsheet. That's not going to help Mm. you. That's not going to help anybody instead what i want to do is expand our vision even if it feels impossible to dream and to say look just in this moment on this piece of paper let's dream for a second we may not be able to even see how we can get there today but we've got time and if we put the intention behind it and we marshal our resources i think we can do this
0: yeah that's beautiful absolutely
1: beautiful so you've got one powerful vision of what you want to accomplish in the next 10 years i say powerful because it's not like eating at a restaurant that's not powerful (laughs) enough i had a guy once tell me his rich life is coffee and i just sat there and then i said that's boring i just told him point blank and he was shocked oh somebody's telling me my rich life is i was like yeah that's boring you can't just say coffee i go okay if you love coffee then Tell me you want to go to Guatemala and take a behind-the-scenes tour of a farm. Tell me you want to go to the national barista competition and bring somebody. Tell me something beyond, I want to order an extra Dunkin' Donuts coffee shipped to my house. No, that's not acceptable. So sometimes I have to challenge people to think bigger. You got something big. It could be skydiving. It could be a trip, whatever. All right. You know the date. Specifically the month and year. So
0: in the next 10 years, you got to pick a date,
1: the month and the year. Yep. You got to be specific. Then this is the hardest part, but it should take no more than five minutes. Okay. Approximate the cost. So if you're going to Italy... People, they start to freak out because they any time I just freaked out. Yeah, it's it's like we revert back to seventh grade math and we're like, oh, got to do the quadratic equation and get it perfect. (laughs) I go, listen, you don't need any decimal points. okay? in fact, you could approximate on the back of a napkin. How much is a flight going to cost? Approximately, you know, add 15 percent because you forgot about tax and all that stuff. What's a hotel gonna cost? I don't know, Google Hotel, Italy, Rome, whatever. Okay, let's double the price because maybe we wanna stay at a nice hotel. All right, fine. That's the level that we're talking about here. Okay. My wife and I had two completely different numbers. Mine was way bigger. And my rule is if you got two numbers, go with the bigger one. Okay? Okay? Go with the bigger one. And so now you've got a beautiful vision, you've got a month and year, you've got the approximate amount it's gonna cost. The last step is to make it a reality. How do you do that let's say that it's 10 years away it's going to cost uh ten thousand dollars i'm just making it up mm-hmm. that means you need to be saving a thousand dollars a year or roughly you know 100 bucks a month roughly. okay okay we could do that suddenly you start to understand a little concept of like time and money and you set up an automatic savings From your checking account to your savings account for $100 a month. And you call it dream trip 2030. Boom. Every month that you are talking about money in what I call a rich life review. It's like a video game. You see we're getting 3% closer. And that is a joy.
0: Okay. So can I just ask one more question about this? Of course. And I know I'm beating a dead horse, but having been somebody that was in a scary place financially just over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. I want you to explain what will happen to somebody with crushing student debt or who's having trouble just making the ends meet right now. Yeah. How will doing this exercise change their psychology about money starting today? Yes, thank you for
1: asking this because if you are in large amounts of debt, whether student loan, credit card, even mortgage for for some people. Some of this can sound really airy-fairy. And so what I wanna emphasize to people is that we often have this belief that we're overwhelmed with money, okay? Mm -hmm. It's easy to feel that way. But when I ask people, show me your spending. What percentage of your income is going to housing or investments? I would say 99% of people do not know. Okay. So how can
0: we, I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I,
0: I, I literally don't know.
1: Yeah, totally. It's very common. And so how can we feel in control of something if we don't understand the basic mechanics of it? Even when we drive a car, we got to know how to turn the ignition on, or you know, True. reverse. So we go through life in this very transactional way of like, okay this bill came in I'm gonna pay it this bill came in that feels really bad it's transactional it's reactive and what I'm encouraging you to do is to go from defense to offense with your money that means once you set the intention of an hmm. Italy trip if you're in crushing debt you may go hey Ramit I actually cannot afford to put hundred dollars a month away I go okay well why don't we write that down hundred dollars a month towards Italy But you can't do that today. That's totally fine. Next, we're going to go through your four key numbers in the conscious spending plan. Let's make sure you understand your numbers. And you will be quite surprised that a lot of people discover they have more money than they actually realized once they go on offense with their personal finances.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So what are the four things that we all need to go through?
1: Everybody needs these four numbers. This is what I use instead of a budget. I don't keep a budget. You think I'm going to sit around tracking the price of asparagus for the rest of my life? Hell no. Okay. I don't want to live oh that kind God, of life. I love you. So there's four numbers. I don't want that kind of life either. Okay. Yeah. All right, so four numbers that you should know, these are all part of my conscious spending plan. The first is your fixed costs. So okay. that would include your rent or mortgage, your yep. utilities, car payment, gas, insurance, anything that's fixed, even groceries, every month, that goes there. And your and fixed- And what about
0: the minimum debt payment, or is that part yeah, of another yeah, category? That's, that counts okay. there
1: exactly, thank you. Okay. And that number, you should, try to get it between 50 to 60 percent of your take home pay okay Okay. let me let me run through these all and then i'll tell you what they mean 50 to 60 percent of your take home pay for fixed costs next up your savings how much money are you saving every month this should be roughly five to ten percent of your take home and savings would be an emergency fund or money you don't need for at least one to five years, things like a down payment for a house, et cetera. Next up would be investments. Roughly five to ten percent of take home, although I like to see it higher because investing early in life pays well it pays dividends later. Okay. And then Final
0: shame for Mel Robbins did not invest early in life. I'm just gonna like <laughs> let that one go and focus on my dream list. Okay, just want to acknowledge that when you said that. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, not you, everybody st- say that. And I'm like, fuck, I didn't do that. Well, okay. I wish I
1: started deadlifting when I was 13 years old, but I didn't even know what that was. You know, so we all start from the place we start at. Okay, that's true. The last category is my favorite one of all. It's guilt-free spending. And this is 20 to 35% of take home pay. What? Yeah, that's right. Desserts, Mel, go get them. Beautiful cashmere (laughs) coat, that's for me. Go get them. You wanna go, you wanna get roller skates, you wanna go to your gym, 20 to 35% of take home. Now, let me tell you why I love this and why I'm getting excited about four numbers. I freaking love this. Okay, so many of us shrink our lives and we agonize over some stupid $5 purchase. You really think coffee is going to change your life? It's irrelevant. It does not matter how much coffee you buy. So please stop thinking about that. The same people who ag and I go, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know anything. I go, what's your savings rate? They go, what's that? How much are you investing? Well, I try, but I don't really know. Okay. How are you supposed to feel not overwhelmed if you don't know any key numbers? So know the four numbers and you will suddenly feel totally in control. Some of you aren't going to be able to hit these numbers. That's okay. At least we can work with it. We got the puzzle pieces on the table. Now we can start assembling your rich life.
0: Wow. I think I can do this. Yeah. So you just like carve out some time on the weekend and get your arms around these four things. Yeah,
1: which should take 15 minutes. Do not overthink no, it. It's going to take me a
0: while. Wait, really? Why? It takes 15 yeah, minutes? Yeah, here's
1: what, here's what people do. How do you, you know, do it? Because the, the biggest um, challenge is uh, people don't have the right logins. So their logins are spread all over. They got their Fidelity account or some old 401k or whatever. So I, I would recommend breaking it up into two days. The first okay. day is just get all your stuff assembled, right? Love it's it. like cleaning the garage. And then the second day, 15 minutes and done. Do not overthink it. We're okay. going for approximate numbers. That's it. Okay,
0: I love you. I love you, love you, love you. You have that. What is it? The 85% yeah. rule, we'll get 85% of this right,
1: you're good. Get, yeah, get on with your life. You don't need to sit there and optimize everything. It's a waste of time.
0: I also love this because like it can feel so insurmountable. Yeah. When you've made major financial mistakes in your life. Yeah. That this gives you a place to start that you can then start to get better from. And, and I just actually had a huge wake-up moment hmm. i realized that one of the great things about growing up with parents who were very like just i didn't ever see any concern about money yeah, and i didn't see them talking about it actually that's not true i would see my mother sitting at her desk with one of those little calculators with the tapes okay as she was balancing her checkbook
1: hey that's a that's a really important thing that you saw you saw a woman taking control of money and yes obviously and being capable and competent that is a very valuable lesson to learn as a child that that obviously has come through for you that's amazing
0: oh yeah and she then went on to open her own retail store and all the women like my grandmother's a farmer and ran the money and she had a calculator with the amazing. tape and my other grandmother my grandparents had a bakery and she had the thing with the tape but what's interesting is that i think the oh, it's chill aspect has gotten too hands off for Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. The fact that I can't answer those numbers like that at this stage in my life. For me, it used to be because of fear and shame Mm. and how bad the numbers were. I used to be one of those people that the bills would arrive and I would just not open them.
1: Yeah, common.
0: Because it was confronting to see the debt and confronting to see how much I had spent because I was, you know, basically shopping to escape my life with money that I didn't have. And then you'd open up the bills and be like, fuck.
1: Yeah, I guess I spent and that much.
0: Yeah, I I don't have that money. Yeah, And so it used to be that, but I think now that I've paid off all the debt maniacally saving, mm-hmm. I don't look at it at all okay. still.
1: Let's, let's talk about a couple of things that are so interesting about what you just said. I love... The honesty. All of us have something in our lives that we feel like we should be doing better,
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: kind of push the envelopes away. And I deeply understand this because for me, it was fitness, and I grew up half joking, calling myself a skinny Indian guy. And I really wish I had not said that because it became part of my identity. Mm. And you know, if if any of us say something like. I'm bad with money, I would oh. gently encourage you to not say that. Maybe reframe it and say, gosh, I haven't learned the skills of money yet, but I'm
0: changing that now. This is so important. Yeah. If you just heard Ramit say, I'm bad with money, I want you to pay attention loud and clear yeah. because he's absolutely right. Or if you say, I don't understand, it's overwhelming. Yeah,
1: I'm not good with math.
0: I'm not good with math. What are other things that your students say, Ramit, that really crystallize a terrible psychology around money? Uh, my family's
1: never been good with money. We're all bad. Um, I'm never going to get out of this debt. Um, we always fight about money. And I'm just an overspender.
0: Or my husband. Yeah took care of the finances
1: oh classic oh that drives me insane hold on I'm getting mad but I got I am getting mad at multiple things right now so let me take them each in turn okay first off um, what you said about not opening envelopes and then now as you've become much more financially successful it's almost swung the other way is totally common in my experience once people start earning around $150,000 they stop really paying attention to the numbers because they basically make enough to not have to really pay attention and Actually, I'm a little okay with that. I don't want people agonizing over the price of groceries if they're making 150K. But what I do want and what I do for myself is I spend one hour per month on my finances. That's it, just one hour. I review the CSP. My wife and I talk about money. Hold on. Uh, The
0: CSP was that conscious spending plan of the four things. Correct. The category I love the most. Guilt free fucking spending. There you go. Well, I love it. You added
1: the F word. That's so good. I gotta (laughs) add that. That's beautiful. It it is exciting. Okay. So all those things. When you have money carved out for guilt-free spending. It is literally defined so that if you want to eat and get an extra cheesecake or you want to go to the movies, like you don't have to feel guilty because you know my debt is being paid off, my rent or mortgage is being covered, I'm even saving money. I'm not trying to save money just like I don't try to brush my teeth. It is happening automatically. It's even better than brushing. If you're listening, I hope that's a sense of relief that you don't have to feel bad about having debt you do not have to track a gajillion numbers that you don't even care about you do and i would highly encourage you to focus on four key numbers that will totally transform your life
0: i love how easy you're making this yeah. thank you for that
1: it's absolutely my pleasure I, I i don't want to spend time doing that either i don't want anyone else to waste their time on so
0: it. these four pillars of the conscious spending plan and again i come from the lived experience of crushing debt yeah Where you feel that unless you can get to zero balance, you don't deserve guilt-free spending. Yeah. That somehow you're cheating on your goal to get out of debt, which is what every financial advisor pounds into your head. Yeah. And you feel like that latte robs you of the opportunity to be out of debt. You feel like spending to go on a trip with your friends robs you of the ability to be out of debt. And what you're saying is, no, 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 no. You can start right now by figuring out these four things and allocating incoming to those things. Correct.
1: We have a very unhealthy relationship with money in this country. On one hand, we have a puritanical, Uh, strain that tells us do not buy anything and you're a bad person for having debt and you should live in a monastery until that debt is paid (laughs) off and then maybe you can go buy a pack of gum okay on the other hand we're like "Uh, okay hold on let me look at Instagram oh my friends in Bora Bora on Tuesday oh I think I'm gonna go uh, take a trip even though I don't even know how much I have in the bank what are two paradoxical beliefs, and usually it's the consumerist one that wins, but we still feel guilty. We yes. love to feel guilty in this country. Yes. When it comes to having debt, here's my belief. Uh, number one, you need to know how much you owe. 90% of people I talk to who are in debt do not even know how much debt they owe. That's number one. You got to know your numbers. Number two, You've got to know the exact month and year your debt will be paid off. 95% of people in debt do not know their debt payoff plan. Easy way to do it, literally go on Google, type debt payoff calculator, plug your numbers in, and you will see. And don't worry if it seems depressing. Oh, it's going to take 28 years. What I want you to do is just plug the number in and sit with it for a day. And later, you will learn things like, wow, if I add an extra $50 a month, it can shave off three years from my debt. But that comes later. I just want you to and, actually And you know what else I also
0: it. love that you're saying is I love that you're saying it's okay to have it. Like most yeah. rich people actually finance a lot of things. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, you're the expert. I don't know why the hell I'm talking about money. Go ahead. <laughs> well, first of all, whether it's okay or not, a lot of
1: people have debt. Yes. So let's just accept us for who we are. That's that's yes. the fact of life. Now, I do want you to get smarter with debt so there when i look at people i always look at the snapshot of their finances and i talk about all these numbers on the podcast by the way we have folks who come on eight hundred thousand dollars of debt they're not even su- really are you serious
0: well that was me Over a decade ago, yeah, when the liens hit the house. Okay. So no college savings, no 401k, credit cards maxed out, home equity line maxed out, plowed it all into my husband's restaurant business, did not go according to plan. I lost my job, liens hit the house. He hadn't been paid in six months. Friends and family had invested. Holy fucking hell. That was my life.
1: Okay. So this, so you really know what it's like. Yeah, this is not a joke. It's like um, you think about it every day of your life when you're in it. Yes. Nobody is broken with money. Nobody. There are ways for you to get informed about money. So, you know, the basic language of money, which anybody can do. You do not have to be a math genius. I'm not. And second, to work on improving your money psychology. You know, I I spoke to a couple on my podcast and uh, they were in a lot of financial trouble and they, you know, they think about it every day and they were so stressed out i said okay you're a new parent she was a mom i think her baby was about like six months old i said um when you first had your baby did you know how to hold her she goes no mm. did you know how to feed her no did you just wing it did, did you just tried your best you know no i got help the nurses, my mom, I read a bunch of books, and on and on and on. And that is so normal. There are things in life we don't know, that's okay. But we do have to say, hey, this is important to me. My rich life is important. I deserve to dream bigger than a box of pickles. And therefore, <laughs> I'm going to prioritize learning and also improving my psychology.
0: Um. I'm going to read your book. I've never read a financial book.
1: Oh, okay. I love it. You know, there's an audio version too. I'm just admitting
0: it. I'm just admitting it. I I love your honesty. It's so good. I've read a financial book in my entire life. Uh I have read plenty of blogs and listened to podcasts. I've never read a book. And the truth is, I am intimidated Mm. by investing. And the irony of this is that this is the one area of my life where I have goals and I wanna get more into investing and also investing in uh, startups as mm. an angel investor. And I don't know the first fucking thing about it. And yeah. there is this, I don't know, like self-doubt or whatever that I realize in talking to you is keeping me from starting. Mm. And yet one of the things that if I make that 10-year list yeah. that you're talking about of dreams, it is to have advised, invested in and nurtured a number of startup companies, particularly by, you know, underrepresented founders in spaces and categories that I deeply care about. Hmm. What I just realized is doing that would help me fulfill in, a why, in an amazing way that ripple effect of sending desserts to people there you go that
1: that is the money dial the desserts are beautiful but they are such a small example you are so much bigger than a table full of desserts that is it. yeah
0: yeah that like That's that beautiful. i i it connected the dots between those two yeah you know you've given us so much to do mm. and so much to think about is there something else that we haven't talked about um
1: i would love for people to have an answer to this question i spend extravagantly on blank and i cut costs mercilessly on blank and that really is the capstone of a lot of what we've talked about you spend extravagantly on tipping or on clothes or whatever it is to be able to write that down and be unapologetic about it oh, you're really standing in who you are. And that's okay. Not everybody has to agree with it. And it also means you have to be honest about what you are willing to cut costs mercilessly on. You know, maybe I'm actually overspending on my house. Maybe I didn't know about the 28% rule. And maybe I didn't know about 2836 and all these different things that you can learn over time. But you have to be willing to also say, if I want to live my rich life, then what am
0: I willing to say? This is not part of my rich life. What are some of the things that you typically see with the people that you work with that they mercilessly well, cut? I can't even pronounce that word.
1: Are they mercilessly cut. Uh, yes. well, I'll tell you what they overspend on because it's, it's always the same. Okay. The number one area that people overspend on is housing costs. A good guideline is that your housing costs should roughly be 28% of your gross income. Now I will tell you that that's really hard number, especially because housing has gotten so expensive. Yeah, especially if you live in New York, LA, etc. So if people come and they go, well, hey, mine's like thirty-one percent. I go, okay, you know, we can approximate. It's like adding a little more salt to your dish. Fine, but sometimes they look at it and it's forty-two percent. Now I'm gonna tell you what that means because. Again, most of us do not have the full picture of our finances We simply pay the bill that comes in and they're wondering why do we keep fighting about target? Why doesn't my husband or my wife want to go out to dinner once a year? I'm so annoyed I go well I could tell you right right now. It has nothing to do with target nothing to do with Dinner out. It's that your housing cost is 42% of gross and because you're spending all your money up there There's nothing left Trickling down the waterfall. You can't save, you can't invest, you can't go out. And when they realize that, then suddenly they have the knowledge and they can go, okay, do we actually love this house? Do we need to live here? Fine, then what are we going to cut back on? Or do we actually need to live here? Could we downsize? Could we move? Do we have options? Could we rent out uh ADU in the back if we've got it? Et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Mm. That's number one. Number two, overspending is cars. I get this all the time. And I always get mad at them. And then everyone gets mad at me because in America, we love trucks. So uh, I have nothing against trucks. But what I really have a problem with is somebody making $75,000 who buys an $80,000 truck because their buddy Chet at the dealer told them, oh, you can afford the monthly payment. And then they forget to factor in what I call TCO, total cost of ownership. That $80,000 truck actually costs you one hundred twenty dollars once you factor in insurance, tax, gas and on and on and on they can't afford it so i asked one guy he comes on the show you know they're struggling with money they're like oh we tried everything we buy generic we buy generic macaroni and cheese i go i don't care about macaroni tell me about your car they go we have this big nice truck i go oh okay that's so interesting uh by the way why do you have a truck and he looks at me like i'm crazy he goes to pull the trailer i go (laughs) what You, you can't afford any of this so um Anyway, those are the two areas people overspend on. It's house and car. And if you can just avoid that, if you can just get your numbers in line and fit your fixed costs, the rest of your life will be so much easier.
0: Wow. You have a truck, Mel? My husband drives a pickup truck. Yeah. What kind? Uh, I think it's a Chevy.
1: Well, I don't, I don't really mind because I know you can afford it, but let's assume you and your husband made like one tenth of what you made now and you had that Chevy. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, I'm. I would be. It costs one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs>
1: well, this is another thing. Um, everybody well, and
0: gas, and but I also live in Vermont, and I would not be able to get up my driveway that's a quarter mile long during mud season if we we'll okay. didn't have a pickup truck. We literally have to shuttle people up and down this driveway. I drive a nine-year-old car that just shit the bed. Okay. I drove it in to get repaired and was told it needs to be towed out somewhere <laughs> to be sold. So I am currently without a car, okay, so okay. this is very timely, but I'm not a big car person.
1: Well, good. I like that you know that. See, now, f- what I want to hear is that, and it could be car. I, I don't need a fancy house. I don't need fancy clothes. Fine. I- but I also want to know what you are into. And once people start to define those two things, that really helps create the, the dimensions of their rich life.
0: I really want to make sure people leave with a paradigm shift. Yeah. If you think about the people that came on the Netflix show mm-hmm. or any of the millions of students that come to your website every month, what is the current mindset that most people have? The mindset that most of us have is what I would equate to being at work
1: and getting one email after another and simply being an order taker. Okay, this person emailed me, oh, I gotta get back to that person, and that is life. And that is most people's lives forever when it comes to money. I got this bill, we gotta get diapers, Uh uh-oh, the car broke down, how are we gonna respond to it? Yeah, It's just one problem after another. Cars break down, sometimes we go into debt, that's life. Instead, I want to give you a whole new way of looking at them, which is to say, agonizing over, you know, some tiny thing at the grocery store is actually never going to change your life. And you could spend the rest of your life worrying about it. Hmm. And in my paradigm, that's a tragedy. What a tragedy to live a smaller life than you have to. What a tragedy to defer the rich life until some mythical day which you don't even know when it's going to happen. Instead, we're going to define it right now. What is our rich life? What are my money dials? What do I want to spend extravagantly on and therefore cut costs mercilessly on? And am I comfortable saying to myself and perhaps other people, I'm going to live my rich life today and an even richer life tomorrow. That's the vision I want to leave everybody with. I freaking love that
0: oh my god you're amazing
1: thank you i love doing i love seeing people's lives change when they see money in a different way
0: fantastic because when you see it in a different way yeah. you act differently yeah. with it and you, that's why this matters yeah Ramit's I it's not saying think about a rich life and all of a sudden it'll be a million dollars no, in bank no it's cap. not affirmation no 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 it's no. you,
1: you got to be competent you got to know your numbers but when most people think about money they see stress and overwhelm and debt and when i look at numbers i see a trip to disneyland with your kids i see an amazing food tour in india i see the ability to never have to look at the price when you're at a restaurant and that is what you can get when you understand how to use money
0: for those people that have A mindset I'm terrible with money Mm. I'm bad with money I'm never gonna get out of debt please Mm. tell them what they should start saying to themselves all day long about money instead
1: the new phrase that I want you to use is I haven't always been great with money but now I'm learning it's so simple such a simple reframe nobody's expecting you to become a multimillionaire overnight we don't even need that but day by day you put a little bit of time and attention into reframing your identity i haven't always been good but i'm starting to learn about money now that can be listening to this episode listening to my podcast watching the netflix show having some conversations with a partner Maybe saying, you know what? I realize that when we talk about money, we're always stressed out. And I don't want that for us. I actually want us to feel good about money. And I realize I've got some work to do, but I'd love to do it together with you. Would you be willing to do that together? That's how you reframe it, solo
0: and with a partner. I love that. I used to be stressed about my money, but now I'm learning how to enjoy it. <sighs> so good
1: i love that you add that that positive emotion deep down most of us don't need the fancy villa but we do want to feel good day to day with our money we want to know that if our kids ask us for something for school we can get it we want to know that if a friend comes into town and they say hey would you like to meet for lunch yeah We can go, we don't even have to think about the numbers. That's a rich life, to not have to always be tight and restrictive, but to be fluid and accepting. And I love the way you put that, enjoy money. That is so good.
0: Well, and here's the other thing that I love, if I had to put this all full circle, Hmm. is that one of the things that we talk about all the time on this podcast, and you talk about it too, is the fact that we're all obsessed with getting to some place. I gotta get that beach house. I gotta get out of debt because we presume that we're gonna feel a certain way when we achieve it. And what you're offering is a very clear, simple step-by-step roadmap that helps you change how you feel about money and how you think about money so that as you're creating this rich life and as you're taking responsibility, you feel more freedom. Yeah. You feel happier. It starts today. It starts today. Yeah.
1: That is what we really want to create, a rich life today and a richer life tomorrow.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. Congratulations on all your success and all the people whose lives you've made richer and more enjoyable. I really appreciate you taking the time today to hang with us. And I hope this is the beginning, day one, Ramit, of our rich new friendship.
1: I hope Exactly the same thing. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was a blast.
0: Awesome. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Wow. I cannot wait to hear your feedback on this episode. And I also want to remind you that there is another zero cost resource for you to help you take control. If you go to melrobbins.com slash take control, I have a three part free training with a workbook. And now that you're inspired to create a rich life, I know that melrobbins.com slash take control is going to help with that too. In case nobody else tells you today, I wanted to tell you that I love you. I believe in you. And I believe in your ability to forget the balance sheet for just a minute and create that bucket list. Ramit gave you and I this huge gift. He's taken everything that we've learned in other areas of our lives and he's applied it in a financial roadmap. And I love that getting out of debt and enjoying your financial life begins with dreaming and with aligning it with what really makes you come alive. And there is no doubt in my mind when you and I both tap into that, the sky is the fricking limit, baby. Alrighty, I love you. I'll talk to you in a few days. Oh, one more thing. It's the legal language. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. Stitcher.